You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, how is it going? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendas. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we've got a lot to discuss on this Victory Tuesday episode of the Locked On Rams pod. Going to dive into some people that were cut, some people that were also signed to the roster, a little bit of an injury update, as well as some of the in-depth numbers from the Week 2 contest between the LA Rams and the Indianapolis Colts. But before we get there, just wanted to tell you guys that the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast relaunches on September 20th, which was yesterday according to my calendar, with two new hosts, Eric Crocker of the Locked On 49ers Podcast, who's going to bring the player scouting aspect and Ryan Tracy of the locked on chiefs podcast. Who's going to bring the analytics. You guys can go check them out at the locked on NFL draft podcast on YouTube, the odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now we can dive into some of this news that has come out from the Rams building. And of course, like I mentioned, there was some movement in terms of the roster as well as some of the injury updates, which we'll get to in just a second. The biggest news, I guess would be running back Otis Anderson jr was released from the practice squad and the Rams replaced him by signing another running back in Javian Hawkins, who is an exciting player. I believe he's also a rookie like Anderson, and he does bring something to the table in terms of the speed. I believe he is a bit of a smaller running back, so I'm not sure how he's going to factor into this lineup here. But of course, you know, the Rams needed to make a move at running back because of the Daryl Henderson injury. And maybe some would say, you know, Otis Anderson Jr. was a guy that Could have been that guy, could have filled that role, but maybe the Rams just thought of him as a special teamer as opposed to a guy that can actually carry the ball or be one of the players on offense because they do have Jake Funk, who they like on special teams. So that role is already a little bit filled there. And now the Rams go get a different body at that running back position. And like we mentioned, Henderson did suffer a rib injury in this game. We don't know what the severity is still as of this recording. Maybe it comes out a little bit later, and I'm sure it will, which will just be annoying because then everyone's going to know what the actual severity of the injury is without having listened to this podcast. So we're going to see what that ultimately ends up being. It could be something that sidelines Henderson for a handful of weeks. As we know, last year, Cam Akers suffered a rib injury as well. He kind of split up some cartilage there in his ribs, and it cost him you know, a handful of weeks as well. So maybe it's a similar injury. Maybe it's the same thing. We don't really know. Uh, we can't really speculate. But we do know that the Rams have Sony Michelle on the roster, and he did a good job stepping up in this game which must have been tough for him because this is a guy who's still new to the team. He still doesn't really know how his offensive linemen are going to block. They don't really know how he's going to run and bounce runs and where he's going to go with his directions. So they're still all trying to feel each other out. And not only that, but he probably doesn't know the whole playbook. I mean, there's no way that he does. He's only been with the team for less than two weeks now, and there's just no way you can learn the entire playbook in two weeks. So there's probably a little bit of limitations there in terms of what he can run and how many plays they can call, which is one of the issues moving forward if Henderson does miss time. But I think in terms of the actual production from that running back standpoint, I think they should be okay because at the end of the day, the running game and the run blocking, the offensive line, they've done a really good job at creating a lot of these holes. So there's not much of a concern in terms of the actual production. And I think you look at that last game, Sony Michelle looked very solid. I mean, he looked pretty decisive in his cuts. He's not going to be that home run back. He doesn't have the same talent that Cam Akers does or that Daryl Henderson does, in my opinion, but he can still get the job done. He can still have somewhat of a threatening presence coming out of that backfield as a runner, which teams have to respect to some degree, especially when they operate in play action and under center and things like that. So 
a little bit of a question mark in terms of the running game. Another injury suffered here. Of course, the Rams lost Cam Akers for the season. They lost Xavier Jones potentially for the season, I think for the season as well, actually. And now Daryl Henderson for who knows how many weeks. This is a unit that's now been pretty banged up. It's unfortunate, but the Rams continue to find good production regardless. Now moving on to some of the other stuff. You know, you look at Justin Lawler, broken hand on the opposite side of the ball on the defense. He only played, I think, in like three or five snaps in this game. And somehow he broke his hand in just that many snaps, which is just terrible and super unfortunate. Uh, you got to feel bad for the guy coming back from two broken feet over the last couple of seasons. Finally starts to look like a player that can contribute this season. And then he suffers a broken hand. And that might be incorrect. I read that it was Justin Hollins yesterday. I don't know if that's accurate or not. No offense to these guys, but hopefully it's not Hollins because he's a starter and somebody that the Reigns are really going to rely on this season. And hopefully it's not necessarily Lawler. I hope nobody broke their hand. But at the end of the day, if it has to be somebody, it would be much better off if it is the backup player. So that would be terrible for him, of course. I'm going to assume that maybe he could play through it. I mean, they don't necessarily need their hands that often. You could kind of club that thing up like we've seen many times throughout the NFL in the past handful of years. Defensive linemen where they just get that massive tape, that massive club wrapped around their hand, and they can still play. And then you even look at the cornerback position, Robert Rochelle, current Rams rookie cornerback, broke his hand or wrist, I want to say maybe five weeks ago now in training camp, and he really didn't miss much time at all. He was playing pretty much in the preseason and has played now a handful of snaps throughout the first two weeks in the season as well. So these are things that these guys can play through. Of course, they might not be at their tip-top peak performance when you only have one hand available to you, especially as a pass rusher where you know a lot of that stuff comes from your hand usage. But at the same time, Lawler was not a guy that played a lot of snaps for the Rams. Of course, they have Leonard Floyd there, Justin Hollins, who we mentioned, Terrell Lewis, and Obo Okoronko, who might be able to come off short-term IR here relatively soon, as well as Chris Garrett on that COVID list. He might be able to come off that relatively soon as well, which is only going to strengthen their numbers at that spot and maybe needing to rely a little bit less on a guy like Lawler, even though they really haven't gotten him much run throughout these first few games. So that's the injury update as of right now. I can't really tell anything else in terms of the roster. Everything else looks relatively decent in terms of the outlook and injury situations. The Rams have been relatively healthy through two weeks. You can't really complain. Obviously, some of those injuries are mounting at the running back position, which is problematic, but that's how the NFL goes at the end of the day. At least it's at one of the positions that is the least valuable when it comes to an NFL roster. And the Rams have found a lot of production from a lot of different names and, and body types and play styles at that position. So they've done a good job at replacing the running backs that they have lost. We'll see how that goes moving forward with a guy like Sony Michelle as the potential running back one for this team heading into week three. We're going to dive into some interesting stuff like wide receiver Cooper Cup, his production, as well as how he's been so good this season, as well as some of the remaining topics to talk about like a very interesting statistic where the Rams are 2-0 for only the fourth time in the last two decades to begin a season. So we'll dive into all of that in just a moment. Of course, you guys can always come connect with us on Twitter at QBZMEP and at LockedOnRams and on YouTube at LockedOnRams. And you guys have heard me talk about it many times. I've placed a lot of bets when it comes to the NFL. Every single slate, I'm picking parlays. I'm picking teams to win. You guys can do the same at BetOnline.ag. It's that time of year again. All of our eyes are back on the football gridiron for the best sport that there is known to mankind. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can get all your latest updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 Survivor Contest, which are both open now at BetOnline. 
All you have to do, just go ahead to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't let time slip by. Telling you guys, this is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football to basketball to boxing to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now we can dive into this interesting statistic, and I want to give a little bit of love to head coach Sean McVay because somebody dug this up, and I can't recall who it was on Twitter now. My apologies. Uh, I want to give the source and the credit, but I just can't remember now. Looking at the Los Angeles Rams from 2001, I guess you can also consider them the St. Louis Rams from 2001 to now 2021, a 20-year span. The Rams have only started their seasons at 2-0 four times over the course of that 20-year span, and they all came in the last four years from 2018, 2019, 2020, and now 2021, all, of course, in the Sean McVay era which means he didn't start 2-0 in 2017 in his first season as the head coach. But that is insane to think. I mean, that's how good this guy's been. And I feel like it sort of gets lost in translation a little bit. Maybe not from Rams fans because, I mean, if you've been a Rams fan for two decades and you went through the 2009 through 2012 era with Steve Spagnuolo and Sam Bradford and all these different players and guys, you probably know what it feels like to lose a lot of football games. So you probably have a very good perspective when it comes to winning and losing these days records and just savoring every single win because not every single Sunday is going to end in a happy manner. I mean, you look at this past game for the Rams, 27 to 24, they go on the road, they throw an interception, a guy gets ejected, they lose out on four or five different sacks. A lot of things went wrong for the Rams in this game. They give up a special teams touchdown that might not ever happen again and they still came out with a win. That really speaks to the talent level of this team and the margin of error that they can have now because of the talent that they have on this roster. But not only that, the coaching staff. I mean, these guys have done such a tremendous job at getting everyone prepared for this season, and the Rams did not even play anybody in the preseason. So they're still trying to iron out all these different kinks, still trying to get everyone to gel and build that chemistry. And I'm not sure that we're going to see that until maybe week six or week eight or week 10. It might take that long for the Rams to really hit 100% on all three phases of the game. And that's a good thing because that really just speaks to how high of a ceiling this team has. And I think throughout the first two weeks, you have to feel really good about where this team is right now and how they look. Because when you look at the entire league, the NFC in general, the Rams have to be in the top two, top three, maybe the number one team in the entire conference. Of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look pretty damn good themselves, and they probably earned the benefit of the doubt, you know, winning last year and having Tom Brady. That guy wins a lot of football games and he wins a lot of Super Bowls. So it's very fair to expect them to still be the title holder or the team to beat in the NFC. But when you look at the Rams, we're going to get a good look at who this team is this week because oddly enough, they get the pleasure of playing the Bucs in week three. So it's going to be Matthew Stafford versus Tom Brady duking it out in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, both teams 2-0. These could be the last two teams standing in the NFC Conference at the end of the year, which is only going to make this game even more intense and more fun to watch as a spectator, as an analyst, as a fan, whoever. I mean, if you're an NFL fan, if you like to watch good football, you have to watch this game there is going to be a lot of fireworks, I think, a lot of offensive firepower in this one, and a lot of good quarterback, wide receiver play. This is going to be the offensive player's dream matchup, in my opinion, but we're not going to get into it too much right now. We'll talk about that throughout the rest of the week. I want to take a look at one of the receivers for the Rams this season. 
Of course, you guessed it. He was the guy I teased in the intro. Cooper Cup. I mean, this guy deserves his flowers in every way and every possible sentiment because you look across the league, there's a lot of good wide receivers in football. I mean, I could think off the top of my head, maybe 20 to 25 different names that I think could be, you know, legitimate elite style caliber receivers in football because the NFL continues to trend towards this passing game. The more passes that are attempted, the more they do this kind of stuff, the more good receivers we're going to see in the league. And of course, you know, teams start three receivers. Oftentimes you only start one running back, for example. So there's just by virtue of numbers going to be more good wide receivers in football and Cooper cup. I mentioned this on Twitter the other day during the game. He is the best wide receiver in football that nobody ever mentions in the elite tier of wide receivers. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's not a knock either. There's a lot of good receivers in the league. And at any given week or at any given point in a season, you can feel pretty comfortable about having a list of like five to 10 receivers that are truly elite anytime. So, you know, I don't think it's a knock on cut per se, but you look at his start to the season, man. 271 receiving yards, 147, which came after the catch. Those both rank inside the top three among the entire NFL in receiving yardage and receiving yardage after the catch. He already has three touchdowns. That is how many he had the entire last season. I mean, this guy is something special. He is such a good football player. He can line up on the outside. He can line up in the slot. He's done a little bit of everything for the Rams this season. And he looks like the number one wide receiver. And if you know this podcast, if you know how I've kind of viewed this team, you would probably be pretty surprised to hear me say that because I've often talked about how Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are basically the 1A and 1B receivers on this team. And I don't really want to get too skewed in terms of the direction or the favor of Cup here after two good games, but he's played more snaps. He's ran more routes. He's obviously been targeted more often. He has way more production he might be the number one receiver on this team right now because this is the guy that they keep on the field all the time. They take Woods off. They take Van Jefferson off. They take Deshaun Jackson off. I mean, he's hardly played. Cooper Cup does not come off the field. If the Rams are trotting out a heavy package where they have two tight ends or you know an extra lineman, a fullback, an H-back, whatever the case is, Cooper Cup is still going to be out on that field. He is the only guy that is out there in those single receiver sets And that indicates that the Rams maybe view him as that guy, that top dog in that unit, and deservedly so. I mean, he runs crisp routes. He's got great hands. He is so good after the catch. I don't really even know how because athletically, he's limited. I mean, he's not that fast. He doesn't really have any crazy agility like some of these other guys that Tavon Austins have, but he is strong as hell. He's got a big frame, such a good route runner, great hands like I mentioned, And he's just a very cerebral and smart football player. You look back to that game in week two, and I'm not even looking at the two touchdowns or the 44-yard catches or the 39-yard catches. The one play that sticks out in my mind was the third and three or third and four down towards the right sideline. There was about five and a half, six minutes left in the game, and Cooper Cup catches a pass. It wasn't a great pass. Uh, It kind of made him go backwards from Matthew Stafford, and Cup can't see. He had to turn his back, had to catch and secure the ball couldn't see what was behind him. He didn't know how close the cornerback or the defender was going to be to him. And so he sort of took a step back as well, turns around, and now he's a good five or six yards behind the first down and behind the line of scrimmage even, and still finds a way to get a first down and convert the chains on a third and short because of how tough he is. I mean, he was refusing to go down, converts that drive. And of course, the Rams eventually go down the field, score a field goal. And that was essentially the game-winning points. And that was all because 
Cooper Cup is so cerebral and knows where he is on the field. He has that feeling of where defenders might be, turns around and still manages to get that first down on third and short. And of course, he's the guy that they trust the most on this offense, which is why he got the ball on third and short. So you talk about all these big plays that he made in the game, and there was a lot of big ones, some 30, 40-yard catches, two long touchdowns, and yet it was this kind of a play that we all forget about that makes him who he is, which is a very smart football player, a mistake-free type of guy that you can always consistently rely on, and you know exactly what you're going to get every given Sunday out of this guy, which is why I wanted to take this segment to sort of just give him some love because, man, this guy is underappreciated by everyone outside of Rams fans or Rams Nation or Mob Squad, maybe even some of us to some degree as well, right? This guy is just so good, and he might have a chance to not only make his first Pro Bowl roster, you know, that kind of stuff is cool, but it's not the end of the world at the end of the day. It's an individual statistic that I'm sure a guy like Cup does not care that much about. But at the same time, this guy could be top three, top two, number one in receiving yardage at the end of the season. And I love the thought of that because this guy truly deserves everything that comes his way with how hard he's willing to block, how hard he's willing to do everything on that football field, how selfless he is as a football player. You got to give it up to a guy like that, man. Not only does he provide his stability and consistency on the field, but he's also a great person and a great teammate at the end of the day. And those are the guys that we all love to root for because they are super easy to root for in this league. In just a second, we're going to dive into the remaining touches of this game. But before we get there, I wanted to remind you guys to tap back into the Locked on Rams podcast here throughout the rest of the week. We're going to continue our coverage from this game. My man, Brad Motter is going to hop on tomorrow's episode, share his takeaways, and then we'll flip the page looking ahead to week three between the Rams and the Bucks. But before we get there, I know some of you guys have probably had car troubles. Everyone's had it. I mean, if you have a vehicle, you went to your mechanic, got quoted a ridiculous fee, had to wait a bunch of days, didn't really know how to get to work with your car in the shop. You don't have to deal with this stuff anymore. All you have to do is check out rockauto.com. They are a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. I mean, if you're a person who likes to fix things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, this is the spot that you have to check out. They pretty much got every make and every model that you can imagine. All you have to do, just go to their website and check out all their available parts. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know that we sent you. The second sponsor in this segment here is going to be Direct TV, and you guys have heard me talk about it. I watch every single football game I possibly can at the same time, eight games on at a time. I mean, it's hard to focus, <laughs> but at the same time, man, I'm a football junkie. I got to have it. So, if you guys want a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love together without the hassle, go check out Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling a bunch of different remotes and no more need to buy another device ever again. The best part is there is no annual contract here, so get rid of the clutter and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. And you guys have heard me mention the Locked on Bets podcast many times before. They are hitting on 62.6% of their projected bets this season. So if you're looking to bet on the NFL or really any sport in general, go check them out. It's hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. These guys are going to get you right for all your favorite picks, lines that may be upsets, things to avoid, and everything in between. 
All you have to do is follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. And now we can dive into the final segment here and kind of look at some of these remaining numbers from PFF. Of course, I have the pleasure of working there. And PFF Ultimate has literally every single number you can imagine. I wanted to flip the script to the defensive side of the ball and just highlight some of the names here that have done well, especially in this past game. I mean, you look at Aaron Donald. It always begins up front. Number 99 didn't register a sack, so he didn't get the Colts down. We talked about how this was one of the teams that he hadn't sacked just yet. So that record still stands, unfortunately. But he had eight pressures in this game, three hits on the quarterback, five hurries, This guy was literally playing like a man possessed. And unfortunately for the opposite side, quarterback Carson Wentz of the Colts, he didn't just hurt one ankle. He has two high ankle sprains. I don't know how this guy's going to play. I just cannot see a way he ends up playing. But that really speaks to the punishment that he was taking. And kudos to him. I mean, this guy is big and strong. He refused to go down. And he's got that warrior mentality to where he's going to try to save every single yard on the field to a fault, clearly. But At the same time, that is part of the reason why Donald couldn't register his sack that kept kind of eluding him. But man, Carson Wentz was bothered all day in that pocket. So don't even get it twisted. If you miss this game, Aaron Donald was his classic throwback, typical self, where he was literally just running around in the backfield, basically set up tent and set up shop there. As they say, he was living in that backfield. The guy was incredible, but he wasn't the only defender that performed well. You look at a guy like Leonard Floyd who in week one was pretty much invisible. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because Aaron Donald was great in that game. And the opposing edge rusher, Justin Hollins, was great in that game too. Leonard Floyd steps up in this one where he gets a backup right tackle. And I mean, he was giving this guy fits all game. Registers seven pressures in this game. That's only one fewer than Aaron Donald. Of course, he got the sack that we talked about on yesterday's episode that came on fourth down in the red zone that literally kept points off the board for the Rams. So a huge turn of events, and it doesn't really show in the box score stats there, but he could have saved seven points for the Rams. And at the end of the day, it was a turnover on down. So that's more than just a sack, right? That was a good performance by him and a reason to really celebrate his performance. The last thing that I want to give a little bit of love to, because I feel like these guys never get enough love, the offensive linemen. I mean, these guys were tremendous in this game. As it stands right now, Brian Allen is the third highest graded center According to PFF, the place that I work, and man, that is an amazing start to his season, of course, because this is a guy that we all had circled going into this season as a potential weak spot for the Rams and maybe the weakest spot on the roster, the spot that we were most concerned about in terms of how he was going to perform. And yet look at him. I mean, the guy's been tremendous. And of course, there's not really any crazy pancake blocks that anyone's looking at. He's just a center at the end of the day. Nobody's even looking at these guys for the most part. But that's a good thing because as they say, if your name is not getting called or if your number is not getting called and you're an offensive lineman, you're doing your job. That's a good thing. You don't want to be mentioned. So obviously it's a positive that he's not really been mentioned. But at the same time, I mean, Matthew Stafford was only sacked once in this last game and that was from Andrew Whitworth. I think it was on a play action pass that just was a horrible rep from the beginning to the end. Didn't work out at all. I mean, Stafford couldn't even get through the play action before he was getting sacked. But outside of that, For the most part, it's been pretty clean pockets throughout two games. The running game has had a lot of production as well. Maybe not 100, 150 yard rushers, but at the same time, they've done more than enough in terms of how many carries they've had, averaging over four, four and a half, nearly five yards per carry. And that's all you can ask as a rushing attack. And of course, the Rams, as an offense, 
rank in the top two, top three in every metric, pretty much, especially the ones that really take into effect and account everything, things like EPA per play or, you know, expected points added, things like that, as opposed to just how many rushing yards did they get? How many passing yards did they get? Those box score stats only hold so much weight because if a team runs the ball 300 times and another one runs the ball 150 times, of course, the team that runs the ball 300 times should have more raw yardage at the end of the day. You want to look at how productive you are on a snap-to-snap basis, how efficient you are every time you run the ball or pass the ball. And the Rams have been very efficient, very explosive, and very productive in all areas of the field, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So you've got to give a big shout-out to everyone on that side of the ball, all 11, 12, 13, even 14 players that have taken reps on that side of the ball. And the Rams still haven't gotten pretty much any contributions out of guys like Deshaun Jackson. You look at Tutu Atwell, has not played a snap. You look at some of these guys, Tyler Higby even, they have not really done that much. And Higby is a guy that I absolutely think they need to get more involved moving forward because he's proven to me that he's not only one of the most underrated players in the NFL, but he's a legitimate matchup weapon at that tight end spot. You look at that last game, Kamertz a third down running against Darius Leonard. I believe he was flexed out wide and ran a slant. Catches an eight-yard pass. Converts another third down. That's like two or three in two games on you know a handful of opportunities. But every time this guy's running routes, he's creating so much separation. So that is one of the names that I definitely think the Rams have to get more involved moving forward, not necessarily because their production is not good, but because there's still more ways to exploit the defensive side of the ball. You don't just want to stretch them vertically. You also hear head coach Sean McVay talk about stretching them horizontally. And a good way to do that is by running things like motion, jet sweeps, as well as hitting some of those corner routes, those tight ends towards the sidelines. I really think that's another area that they're going to look to exploit moving forward in the NFL, as well as these next few weeks. And a good way to start that is in week three. But before we get into breaking that game down entirely, my man Brad Motter is going to join me tomorrow. We're going to share our finishing touches on this game. He's going to share his opinions. And then we'll officially flip the page looking ahead to week three between the Rams and the Bucks, which is going to be an incredible game and has arguably the potential to be the best game this season. So make sure to tune back in here at the Locked on Rams podcast throughout the rest of the week. We're going to share all the injury updates that continue to flow in, as well as the preview and projections for that game. So make sure to tune in. You can find us on Twitter as well, at QB's MEP and at Locked on Rams, and on YouTube, at Locked on Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.